Hi, everybody. It's me, Linda Dano. Ah, okay. I have I have someone here that, oh my God, I, I have such a crush on this guy. Yeah. He, he's one of the sweetest, dearest men, really, that I know. Um, he, he has a genuine quality of, of being gracious, being kind, and, and taking care of everyone who needs help. He is just, you will fall in love with him with this chat we're going to have. And, and um, I, I have to giggle because a part of me gets very cute and funny about this guy because he's so charming. He's just everything you want in a man. Now he's embarrassed. His head's down right now. <laughs> embarrassed to talk to you and he wants to get away from me as fast as he can. Yeah. With further ado, let me please interview to you, Joe Barbara. Hi, Joe. Hi, Linda. Oh, see uh, what I mean? <laughs> it's so good. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice and to see you. And, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that after 24 years, I guess, since we yeah. finished Another World, yeah. um, that we have stayed in touch Yes, that we are as close. I feel as we ever have been, and and I, that's a tribute to to you. Really, you are um, you, you know, and you, you. Well, you both of us, but, but you know a lot of. I mean, you have a lot of friends, um, and and uh, but you always that that warmth that you talk about that comes from you as well. I mean, it's Thank it's you. all that's you are the warmest you. You you embody everything you just talked about, being kind and being warm, and that is you, Linda. God bless you. Thank you for that. That's true. see what I mean, everybody. Oh my God. Oh, it's true. Try being handsome, devil. Yeah. You are a very talented one, and you know something very interesting. I I didn't really know the length of of stuff you've done as an actor. Uh, I when I I, re I read about everyone just to keep me you know current and and find out what people are doing and what they have done. I was shocked at all the stuff you did, and the most thing that shocked me the most was as a kid of thirteen is when you started to be interested and start to work as an actor. Thirteen, yeah. how'd yeah. that happen? Well, I, well, two things. Okay, my dad. My dad was huge into photography, just as a, as a buff, you know. And right. my dad took pictures of everything. My dad was the guy in the in the seventies who you know walked around everywhere, had the camp not everywhere, but everywhere special that we went had a camera, and not only had a had a still camera, um, the Kodak Instamatic, but he had a, a movie camera. He had a Super Eight movie camera, mm -hmm. and rarely did people really take Super Eight movies. Certainly, they don't take videos like they do today. Right. So my dad, every big event was always with the Super 8 movie camera. And and um, and so I would watch it. We'd go on vacation. He would splice the, the reels together because they would come in these little, you know, two and a half minute. Right. Right. I know what reels. they are. Yeah. And and uh, so he'd splice them together and show me how to splice them and, and you know, put film, you know, uh, connect film. And um, so there was always that. And he was always big on, you know, just photography and, and filming like vacations or special events. Um, and on top of that, we had a teacher in, I had a teacher in fifth grade. I went to a Catholic school, but she was a late teacher, Mrs. Garcia, whose son was into movie making and made a film with our class. And it was like a narrative. It was like a, you know, a story. 
Right. And put these things together. I'm like, I know how to shoot film and I know how to edit film and I could tell a story. And that's kind of where it came from. Um, Unbelievable. Those two things, my, between my dad doing it all the time, but he never did it like as a story, as a narrative. Yes. Yeah. This guy did it. I'm like, oh, I could do that. And um, so how I, it began that. Yeah. And I made this little, little movie called, I mean, it was called Double Trouble. It was a terrible name, but um <laughs> But it was about three, you know, somebody steals a top Italian, secret file. What can I tell you? Double right. Yeah. Yeah, and right. somebody steals a top secret file. And uh, and these three investigators, these three detectives have to go seek out the file. And, the, you know, I combined a whole bunch of things. I had, you know, they were in like the trench coats and the hats, almost like Bogart in, in, right. in you know, in, in those old movies. But anyway, they had to seek out the top secret file. And, and that was that was the movie. I love it. And at the end, you'll love this. At the end, they get the file finally and uh and they open it up. And yeah. what's in it? You don't know what's in it throughout the movie. It's it's um it's mom's uh secret recipe for homemade linguine and clams. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh Lord, that's brilliant. That's so brilliant. Yeah. And and the star begins. Yeah. Boy. And then you 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 grew up a little more and you went to Syracuse University right. and and you took up theater and 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 you got so engrossed in it apparently. Well, I, because I then took you up, went to New I, York and the rest is history. Yeah, but I studied my, you know, my parents and, and I, I'll back up just two seconds. I also did a third grade Christmas play in which Sister Navard, Sister Mary Navard. Uh, directed this Christmas play. And at one point I had to take a piece of candy out of a dish and she had forgotten to take the cellophane wrap off the dish of candy <laughs> for the performance. So I went to go grab it and and it was, so I couldn't grab it. And I was supposed to grab a piece and eat it and grab a piece and throw it to this other guy and he eats it. And I couldn't grab the piece because it was covered. So, you know, cellophane, sometimes it clings, sometimes it doesn't. So this right. was clinging and I couldn't get it and I'm pulling and I couldn't open it. And the whole play comes to a stop and I'm pulling. And I get down on one knee and I lift it up and I'm looking, and I'm pulling. And of course, you know, the laughter grows because they see that I'm struggling with this moment. And the more the laughter grew, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. If I keep this going, it's going to get a bigger laugh. <laughs> a true actor, right. <laughs> so that was the other thing that, that kicked it all off. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, Syracuse, I studied television and film production. I did not study acting. My parents didn't want me to go to college to, to study acting, get an acting degree. Like, what are you going to do with that? You know, have something to fall back on. So when you say right. telecommunications, or, or, you know, that, that kind of world that was acceptable. So, yeah. yeah of course. I, I understand parents in those days, especially parents, you know, really controlled us and helped us. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know what happened with the future and no, what's now. It's, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. Yeah. My parents had a huge part of the responsibility of me doing what I did as an adult and then finally going into acting anyway. So let me see. Now you went to New York after this, after you graduated, yeah. right? What was New York like? Had you ever been there before? Yes, because my parents grew up in New York. Oh, my parents, my parents are from Queens, right? So, um, and I had relatives. I had my aunt and uncle used to live in Long Island. I had an uncle in Jersey, so I had relatives all over. So I had gone up a couple of times, and my aunt used to take me. Um, took me actually when I was in high school. We went up one time, and I, I went. Went to see some Broadway shows, went to see a chorus line and glass menagerie. And she took me. So I would I had been in New York and then 
during my college years, I would go to the city and I interned at Guiding Light. Actually, did you never know I interned at Guiding Light? No. Yeah. Oh, no, I did not. I, I spent a summer at Guiding Light. Um, I went to Guiding Light for. Yeah. Well, I was there as an intern, like a production intern, not yeah. as an actor. Right, right. Not as an actor. Oh, right. no. Right, right, right. And and where did you live in New York? Did you have your own apartment back then? Yep. At that point, I was still in college. No, I lived at my aunt in Long Island. I took the train. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But then when I when I got out of school, um, I lived by first. I had a cousin in New Jersey that I was very close with, and I slept on his floor. His um, floor? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He, he had a... He had a one bedroom place and I wasn't going to kick him out of his own bed, you know, oh, of course. So I, yeah, and yeah. and he had a cushion on this chair and I pull the cushion on the floor and and sleep on the floor. And and I about a couple of days after I got to New York, I called up Entertainment Tonight um, because someone at Syracuse had uh, worked there and there was like a, you know, they had a little job opening uh, a bulletin that went out and it said E.T. was looking for production assistance. And uh, so I called up and I said, hey, you know, I'm interested in the production assistant. And they said, come in tomorrow. And uh, I went in the next day. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. And literally I walked into this guy's office. And this office was, I mean, he was like the, the technical guy. It was a mess. It was just videotapes everywhere and screwdrivers. And it was like, it wasn't a real, it was just crazy. And right. I walked in, I sat down and he's like, okay. He says, uh, so I hear you, uh, you know, so-and-so Kiki, this woman um, who was there and she said uh, she worked with you at Syracuse. I said, oh yeah, you know, I remember her. And uh, he's like, look, do you have a driver's license? I go, yeah. He says, can you drive around the city? Do you know your way around the city? I go, yeah. Which was, hmm. oh, uh, he's all right, be here tomorrow at nine. That was it. Two questions. That was it. Two that questions. That was it. And I worked at Entertainment Tonight for off and on for about a year and a half. Um, <laughs> And met Linda, everyone. Like at that time, met everybody. Jimmy Stewart. Oh, um, no. I almost ran over him with my car once. No. I was so ridden about it. You have no idea. I, 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 I carried on so. he And he just kept trying to calm me down. And I'm the one that hit him. And and, and I was just hysterical. I was uh, It was Jimmy Stewart, for God's sake. Where I, was this? I'll never work in Hollywood ever. They'll, they'll <laughs> run down. Yeah, really. This was long ago. Long Where, ago. though? What happened? I was on um, Beverly Hills Boulevard and he was stepping off a curb. I didn't see him and I ran into him. And when I got out of my car, because I knew I hurt someone, I didn't know it was him. Right. And all of a sudden there yeah. he was. And I was like, I was suicidal. I was. Right. Oh my <laughs> no God. Nobody needs to know. Yes, you Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Oh my God. Anyway, we, we detoured. Uh -oh. Go back, go back to you. Oh no. Um so oh, yeah, just I mean, after that, right. And I didn't have like personal connections, but you know, we did interviews with all of them. I, I shook all their hands. I said hello. I mean, John Travolta and and Ringo, uh, you know, Ringo and I had like pistachios out of those little glass jars in the hotel yes, room. Right, right. You know, but I was always this close mm -hmm. to everything I wanted, but I was still the guy sweaty. Yeah. Because yeah. I just parked the van seven blocks away and had to run up the street and, you know, carrying the lights and the camera stands, the, the light stands, the cables, the batteries, which were huge and heavy. So I'm carrying all this, all the stuff. 
And um, it was always, you know, you were always that guy. You you were never. I find that so hard to believe because you're so gorgeous. And I, I can't imagine someone didn't say to you at some point, God, you ever thought about being an actor? You'd be great. No, one. Uh, it no was, one. It was everybody was in their own world doing their own that's thing. It. Well, that's actors, you know. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, nobody <laughs> cared about me. I mean, it was fun, but you know. By you, yeah. I will say one thing. You want to hear something funny? I'll tell you a funny story. So, I was a big fan. Always been a big fan of like doo-wop music, fifties, sixties music, all of that stuff. And there weren't that many people that I would get that excited about meeting, even though we met, work with celebrities every day, but. At one point before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the night before, Dion was going to get um, inducted into the Hall of Fame. And and I was very excited. And we were going to do a shoot with Dion at the at the Hard Rock Cafe. He was going to present his guitar. Right. And I was so excited. Right. Like Dion, like run around suits, like the greatest song ever. You know, I, I just <laughs> loved it. You know, so so I'm excited for this shoot. Right. There could be we could be meeting God knows who else, you know, Robin Williams. Like, all right, that's cool. You know, but yeah, like, right. you know, and um, so we get in the van and there's four of us. There's a cameraman, a sound man, a, a director and me. Right. And, cam- and the cameraman looks at me and I'm 21. Right. So, I mean, I'm a kid mm-hmm. and, and I'm very excited. And he goes, Joe, listen to me carefully. You mm-hmm. start saying run around suit tonight. We're all walking out. <laughs> okay behave yourself i go oh yeah because i'd walk around this you know the right. et studio singing at the top of my lungs oh, so we get there and it's a small little group of people dion upstairs in the hard rock a couple of people from like wnbc little local reporters and us and it's probably 10 12 people you know standing in this little circle he's there he presents his guitar to the hard rock they take pictures we get the shot and then he goes all right and he turns around and picks up another guitar he goes why don't you guys help me out Here's my story. It's sad but true. Oh, I'm yeah. like, no way, <laughs> right? So I'm singing, hey, 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 and and he actually asked us to sing "Run Around Sue." So like, what are the odds? I love this. Fast forward to last year. Yes, I was. Uh, I was a part of the um, the. What's what's the word? And not inaugural. The, the debut okay. of the musical, The Wanderer, right? Is Dion's story, right? And and I'm friends with Dion, and I sing and play with him all the time now. Not all the time now, but I mean during the show, oh, Dion was there. Oh, that's and, a best story. I mean, thirty some odd years, thirty five years later, um, singing with Dion. Like I have video of me singing "Ruby Baby," you know, with him. Um, oh, like we we sing that's and talk. Big. That's really time. big. Yeah, that it was would really be cool. like me having dinner with John Wayne. It's the same thing. I would. Well, I would, let's hear that. Get, that's I far would more interesting. Get over it. I would never get over it. No, it would. Did be, you have dinner with John Wayne? I didn't, but oh. he sort of make eyes at me, and I said to my agent, I was at a show that he was he had guest starred in, and. And and I took my parents, of course, and I and I and I sat behind the set because there was no seats left. And he came up to me and I said to my agent, we have to leave now. We have to leave right away because he made eyes at me and it scared me. So I loved him my whole, whole life, wow. uh, but I didn't want to date him. I wasn't interested in anything. <laughs> because well, that's good. I didn't want to date Dion either. <laughs> 
I love these stories. Oh, okay. Now go on. Tell tell me more. How did you become? How did you become your character on another world? Well, um, so so we we I finished. Uh, I did Entertainment Tonight, and the, the thing that really changed my life was I I auditioned for and got an off Broadway play called Tony and Tina's Wedding. Oh yeah, I know and, that. Yeah, and. You know, that's a it's a show about going to a wedding, um, right. an Italian American wedding, and um, and Queens. It's a comedy, and it's mostly improv. Right. So, it, for you know, for people listening that don't totally understand improv, you know, there's there's a very loose script, if the script at all, in certain points, and much of it is just based on relationships and moments. You know what the moment is? There's a moment when I'm going to catch my girlfriend you know, making eyes at the the singer and the band at the wedding reception. And then we have a fight. But what we say and how we how it goes is totally up to us. We're just playing Ooh, play yeah, off each yeah, other. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's improv. Um, now, I have to say, I did that show with some of the most brilliant actors I have ever worked with in my life. I did the show with Danny Grimaldi, who played uh, Patsy on Sopranos. Right. Um, I did it with uh, Tina, the, the bride was Sharon Angela, who played uh, Rosalie April on The Sopranos, Edie Falco's best friend. Yeah. Um, uh, Aida Totoro was, right. was a bridesmaid who played Janice on The Sopranos. Um, I mean, brilliant people. This guy, Tony Patelis, who I absolutely adore, who, who's been a, a mentor and, a, and an encouragement and inspiration my whole life was in the show. I mean, amazing people. So I learned, that's how I learned acting. And, and um, <laughs> but anyway, those two guys, Grimaldi and Patelis really, really uh, had a big effect on my understanding of what we Boy, do. Can I believe that. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. Big, big time. Big and, time. Um, and kind of whipped me back into shape. And then from that, I left there and another world, there was just an audition for a, a soap role. And the role, by the way, was, for a character named Joe McConnell. Did you ever know that? No. Joe McConnell was the character for whom I auditioned. Really? Did yes. they keep you with that name though? They, I, I went to the audition um, and I remember specifically, like it was only a couple of months after I left Tony and Tina and I, and I used everything I learned in that show for two years Right. at that audition and I knew it went really well and I got called back a sex for the second one right uh, the second one I got called back for a third one and the third one was with Terry Guinari really who was executive producer at the time and then I got called back for a fourth one which was a screen test and in between the third and the fourth one Terry was fired oh and so now I feel like I'm starting I got nobody <laughs> I got nobody there oh friends oh my god right? I forget this so yeah. um uh, so John Valenti then took over and, uh, and, and I got the role. And, but the interesting thing was that I was auditioning for a guy that was a, an ex football player in high school, um, became a New York city cop. And I had this whole monologue that I ended up doing on the show with, with Anna Holbrook, um, about going to this apartment and this little five-year-old girl was getting beat up by the mother's boyfriend and, and he finally threw her out a window and it was very dramatic monologue. Yeah. 
and very sad. And it was the moment at which Joe McConnell, my character at the time, said, that's it. I'm done. I'm done being a cop. Um, this is not working. I'm not helping anybody. I'm going to, I hung it up and I'm going to go home. I'm going to do, get the bad guys my way. And it was much more of a renegade type of guy. Yeah. Um, and he was done with being a police officer. And then of course, you know, that was the first six months, and uh, you know, of, of the role. And then, you know, things happened with the show and, and John got fired and then and then Jill came in, another executive producer came in and changed the writers. And the writers said, we're going to make everybody a cop or a doctor. So <laughs> this guy used to be a cop. Make him a cop again. A cop again. Like, that doesn't what? make sense because I. Right. What? You uh, can't do that. Now it became Mr. Rulebook. I'm like, well, how did that happen? I was just supposed to be Mr. Anti-Rulebook. It's daytime. It's called I, Right? It is. It is. I know. And it's frustrating as hell. Yeah. Now. When did they put you with with Judy Evans? Pretty much at the top. I mean, because um, you guys was, were great together. It was well, thanks. Um, <laughs> it was a little bit. I mean, my first. I started working with with Alice at first, Frankie. I Frank. Um, right. Just you know, she hired me, and it was that kind of a thing. And I don't know if they were ever going in that direction, but um, and then right after that, it was it was Judy. Tommy had left to do um, pilot season, I think. Right, right. And they wanted to have that, you know, the triangle thing, which I never thought was going to end up with me because I was, <laughs> I thought, you know, they you're were the super dog. Yeah, you're just really such a nothing guy. I mean, why would, why? Well, no, but I mean, I just felt, but you know what, Linda, I got to be honest with you. Can I be honest about those days? Yes, um, you can. I, I felt not, not as strong, um, I didn't feel like my work was that strong. Oh, no, and I'll tell you why, though. I mean, tell me. I, I think a lot of it had to do with sort of notes that I was getting. And, oh, you know, you have yeah. you have a lot of different people. Unless I, I learned this about daytime. You kind of have to go in with knowing who you are and what you're doing. And and you you, you take in what people are telling you and you make slight adjustments. But I was a little, I felt like at the time, eager to please right. everyone. Right. And when you're that eager to please everyone, you, yes. you're not yes. as grounded. No. Right. Um, no. Exactly. And and I don't, and I look back on those days and I was not as grounded yeah. as I, nearly as grounded as I should have been in my work in, in some of those moments. I was know. like that when I came to New York and I worked on One Life to Live. That was my first job in New York. Uh, I was there for Frank. I came to be with Frank. And I was a mess. I was so terrified. It was so fast. It was so scary daytime. And you, it's hard when everybody's telling you something. And yeah. you don't quite know how to play it even. Right. Even know why you're there. I mean, yes. I go That's home at night and it was like, I don't think I can do this. I, 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 I gotta tell you, my, first, my first day I felt great. My yeah. second day, I wanted to jump off a building. Exactly. I know I shouldn't laugh, but I know exactly. I I wet my pants every day. That was yeah. thing. every day. And it became the running gag. But it's because I was so frightened. Yeah. It was just so overwhelming. Uh, yeah. It, it, I, well, I'm and making... the speed and the volume of stuff, you know. Yeah. And how old were you at that point? 28. Well, you're 28. 
you were still a kid. See, I was yeah. older than that. Yeah. And it didn't help that I was older, trust me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, yeah. so now you're here with Judy. I, I remember those scenes. I remember the wedding. I, mm. I just thought the two of you were just so special. And mm. of course, she is so special. Absolutely, but, yeah. Um, I have to call her, in fact, after we finish our, our visit. Ah to tell her how it went and everything she wanted ah, nice. loves you so much and 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 tell the tell everyone who's listening the kind of camaraderie happens on a show like a oh. soap well especially with the people that you that you mm -hmm. work with all the time you know um because you you have to have each other's backs you know um there are days when first of all days when you don't feel that great there are days when when the material isn't something you can understand. What am I supposed to be doing with this? Um, and and if you you rely on each other all the time, and especially some of the scenes. I mean, it's, if somebody's playing your wife or your spouse or whatever, it's 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 intimate, you know. And right. and you really you're just you're you're the like a house of cards, and you two of you are sort of holding each other up. Exactly. Um, exactly. And when one goes down, you know, so you need the 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 two of you. Um, there yeah, were that Judy really and I, hold on. <laughs> and you know what? And Linda, there were days, you know, and look, every show has moments, but there were people that would sometimes come in into rehearsal. Other actors would come in and, and maybe not be happy with the material or maybe, you know, a little belligerent that day and take up the whole rehearsal time where we wouldn't get rehearsal. And they oh. would put Judy and I up at the end of at the very end of the day. And it would be like 10 minutes before eight o'clock. And eight o'clock, as you know, go on like golden time, right? Everybody gets like triple yeah. overtime. So yeah. it costs a lot of money to go past eight o'clock. And Judy and I would have like three scenes and it's 749. And we have never had the opportunity to run them ever. We didn't even say them out loud. Yeah. And we yeah. assumed that we got on set. We were going to, you know, block and dress and then tape oh. the way we did it. Right. Right. And we got down there. And somebody would, and, you know, Gary Donatelli or somebody would go, you guys don't mind going right to tape, do you? Like, we haven't said the words out loud yet. I, that happened over and over again. But they would put us up the last scene of the day, and then with like 12 minutes before golden time, do you guys mind going right to tape? Like, well, I, It's frightening. It's frightening. It's oh, frightening. my God. Any of us did that. We all did it. And yes. it's, it's just frightening. You, so, you, so you, you have, have no that bond. If, if you <laughs> right. can get it, if you can make yeah. that happen, if you can get them in under eight o'clock and get the scenes on tape and they're decent. And they're, boy. Well, yeah. well, you, you feel like you just, you know, like your you and your teammates just won the Super Bowl, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Oh God. I, I also tell people because I want them to know the, the, the real Joe Barbara. You, you also made time in all of this craziness to become part of the 9-11, which for people who don't know, it's it's a community response uh, time. Uh, and and you do it because of nine after 9-11. And that must have been so difficult and so so real. And it, it brings you to another place in one's life. Um, and, and, and we don't, we don't really look at that as a, as a, as a place where everyone lives in New York and there's craziness every day and people honking and pushing and all, all that stuff. Right. But 
that was a moment in, in our history. And you were very much a part of that. How was that for you? Well, what happened was after Another World um, was canceled, um, I uh, I had the idea. I was we were not yet Nicole and I were not yet married, but we were we were together. So I'm like we had no responsibility, no kids. And I said, oh, let's you know, I loved music as you know, and um, so we went to Nashville, and I was going to play music and write music and do all these things. So we were in Nashville during uh, when September 11th happened. We were not in New York. And um, I remember feeling very helpless. Like I wanted to go back and do something. People like, don't stay, stay away, stay away. But yet I see on TV, everybody's contributing. Everybody's doing things. Oh, and my, my yeah. closest friend at the time, my buddy, Steve DiPolito, Steve's a, was a cop in New York for, you know, for 20 years. Um, you know, the next night he was on top of the pile, pulling out body parts and, you know, literally standing on top of the rubble and I'm sitting in Nashville going, what am I doing? So a couple of months after that, we moved back to New York and we moved into Battery Park City, um, mm -hmm. the neighborhood that was most closely affected. I mean, right across the street. In fact, our window, our living room window looked down into the hole. You could see the hole. Um, but it felt like it was our way of building the neighborhood back, building the city back by going back there, which was kind of a ghost town. And yeah. um, and it was our way of revitalizing the neighborhood. You know, we went back to the grocery stores and the dry cleaners or whatever. And and it was um, it was I couldn't be there at that time, you know, on top of the pile. But I could I could do that was our part. And then I learned about this Battery Park Community Emergency Response Team. And FEMA came in and trained us. God forbid, if it were to happen again, we wouldn't be caught so flat footed. If the first responders couldn't get there in time or they were overwhelmed, we were trained in light search and rescue and fire suppression and crowd control and things like that. Things that we could do right. until they got there or, or you know, uh, if they couldn't get there at all. And, um, and so we we uh, we trained for several months yeah. and, uh, and we had a pack. I mean, we had an emergency pack with a hard hat and a mask and, you know, the whole deal. Um God forbid they were to attack the, you know, uh, World Financial Center, which was in Battery Park City or, right. or American Express building or something else like that. So um, it was finally it felt like, OK, you know, we all have to do our part somehow. I didn't get to do it in the initial response, right. but this is now the way uh, you jumped way in. You jumped in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all have to, don't we? I mean, I, I wish to God I could have. You know, I was I, away when it happened. Frank and I were on a holiday in Europe and we couldn't get home. We right. just couldn't get home in our home in New York. We had an apartment, became a refuge for friends who were, you know, afraid and everyone was afraid. And so we helped that way. And then we helped with money donations. And, you know, uh, New Yorkers were, were amazing, really. It, it was, it was, um, you know, it's, it's sad that it takes such a horrible tragedy yeah. to bring Absolutely. people together. And, uh, but it, that's what happened. I mean, we all came together and we were all on the same team. And um, yeah, it'd be, it, it, please God, let it not take something like that yeah, for us. To again, right, right. Tell me about your wife. <laughs> She's upstairs working. Um, Is she? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Nicole has been, um, look, you know, this business is, Crazy. relentlessly difficult it is and i don't care who you are maybe if you're i don't know i don't know what it's like to be 
Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or, or you know, one of the Toms or, or Spielberg, <laughs> I imagine that that things are a little bit easier. <laughs> I but would hope. Yeah, I would hope so. But but to do what we do and to sort of be in the, you know, blue collar middle class of this industry, yep. um, it's up and down and it's up and down and there's never a guarantee. And even when hope is really high, uh, you're always very skeptical because there's a very good chance that everything that you think might happen is going to fall through. Right. Um, so it takes a very strong and special person to stick with someone who is committed to that life. Right. And, um, and look at and your I, you have that you guys are great together. Absolutely. Well, great. She has been a, a rock throughout the whole thing. And, and not only, not only the hopes and highs, but, uh, the hopes and highs. I don't know what a hope and high is, but uh, <laughs> not only that, but but you know sometimes uh, you know this will bring us to something else. Um, you know, it, my career after Another World kind of uh, went in the direction of musical theater, right. and it wasn't something that I planned or I said, "Oh, let me you know let me do this on intentionally." It just worked out that way. Right. Um, and and I, I went to Vegas and did Jersey Boys for eight years. I know that. I just can't. That's forever. My it God. Is, it is forever. Um, but you know what? It was a it was a regular job. It was a steady yeah. job. It paid the bills, especially in Vegas. It paid well. It was like we we could have a normal life, you know. Um, did and you get married in that time. Got married before that. Actually, we yeah. got married when we were in Nashville doing, you know, I was banging around trying to get life started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get married. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> right. Um, and then we had two kids and I, still yeah. was banging around trying to get life going. And right. then Jersey Boys finally came in. Um, and so, yeah, it provided eight years of, of stability, which was really nice. Um, but um <clears throat> But what I was going to say was, you know, then I got the call to go back to New York and do a Bronx Tale on Broadway, um, and oh, put it even back before that in Jersey Boys. I mean, some of these jobs you don't know if they're going to last. You know, you don't know if it, if a musical was going to last past a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month. So I went out to Vegas, and Nicole stayed here east and had the two kids and did it all on her own while I went out to see if it was going to work. I came back to New York. She stayed in Vegas with the kids and to see, cause Chaz was like, Joey, you know, this thing could, this thing could go a month and you know, you don't know. I don't want you to move the whole family, you know? So, so, um, you know, she has been, you know, alone through periods of this, you know, because I had to go do, and then of course, Bronx tale after the Broadway run, I did a national tour for a year and, um, right. and, so you yeah, were you were separated a lot. A we lot. have been. We have been a decent. I mean, we've been married for twenty three years. So that long already. Yeah, I know. Isn't that ridiculous? Because you knew me when I was single. <laughs> and you were a baby. Oh I, uh, That's so great. But, but of years. that time, you know, there was a year, <laughs> that was maybe a year and four months or something. You know, total that we've been, uh, you know, separated over the over the time, but. You know, any of that time is tough, and and you you need somebody strong and, and willing. You can't be with your children either, and it's, you worry about that. It's just oh my god, oh, yes. It's a it's a commitment that a lot of people can't do. They just can't do it, and I get that too. I get that they can't do it. 
Yeah, I do too. I do too. You know, it's, it takes a special person and, and look, nothing is, there's no guarantees. You don't know what's going to happen when you, when you get married, you, you hope you've, you hope you, you each have that kind of connection that you will get through anything. Right. You know, I remember my dad, when we got married, he goes, Joe, it's for life. (laughs) Now you, you came back to New York and here you are, the family, your wife, everybody. And um, and you you uh, were so lucky because that's when you start in Bronx Tale. If, am I right about that? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And eventually given the lead in Bronx Tale. Right. Right. right? Yeah. Which was such such fun and such a great thing. And such an honor for I mean, the people behind that show. Yeah. You know, it's it's Chaz Palminteri, who's one of my closest friends to this day. Excellent. Um, and, you know, Robert De Niro and and Jerry Zachs and Alan Menken. Yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about talk about Alan Menken, I don't know if he's he's not as much of a household name as Robert De Niro, but Alan Menken has eight Academy Awards. I mean, yeah. he wrote everything yeah. from these are wrote, huge. Oh my goodness, he he well, wrote The Little Mermaid. He wrote yeah. Beauty and the yeah. Beat. He wrote The Lion. I mean, not Lion King. Sorry, he wrote um, uh, Pocahontas and Hercules and uh, and. Uh, you know, just every huge Disney hit. He a little shop of horrors. You yeah, know, not that, you know, before oh God, Disney. That was great, yeah, that yeah, was cool. yeah. I know, my God, and you know the interesting thing about life and and the things that can happen to us or not happen to us. Here you are, you are on a roll, and everything seems to be in place. You're doing really well. You've done a lot of Law and Orders. You've been uh, you've been on and all my children, which I did not know, which is shocking that I didn't know that. I think you had three. Oh, you would have loved that because I, I, I because you got you were a cop, weren't you on it? No, I was an what Italian gigolo. Oh, I would have loved it. I'm gonna try. <laughs> and look that. I'm gonna try and look that up. No, you've you've had a really interesting career as an actor. Yeah. And all of a sudden the bottom fell out. Yeah. Your mother got sick. Your mother had Alzheimer's. And <clears throat> you brought her home to your house to take care of her, which was part of your wife's work and the kids and you, of course. Tough, tough, really tough. Um, the toughest thing I've ever, ever gone through in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad, my dad had cancer. Um, he died in 2011. And so my mom and they came out to Vegas to be close with us. So we were, I was doing Jersey boys at the time. And my mom stayed by herself in their apartment, um, which was five minutes from us, um, for about six years, five years. Or was it that long? I didn't know it was that long. She was by herself. I mean, it, yeah. and, and it was not. You know, she, her disease had not progressed that that quickly at that right. time. And we saw, you know, signs, but she was still okay. And then it got to the point where, you know, there were questions about how do you turn the TV off and how do you, you know, deal with the heat and the air condition and, right. you know, where is something and it's in the refrigerator or whatever. And, um, or, you know, things that were in the refrigerator. I said, Mom, I gave you, you know, the, the you know, the, the whatever the leftover macaroni from Sunday, it's in there. Did you eat? Oh, I didn't see it. And it's right there, you know. Um, and we knew things were getting bad. And that was right at the time when I was asked to go back to New York and do Jersey boards. And I'm sorry, 
no, no, to do no. Bronxdale. Bronxdale. And so I left Las Vegas, my wife and kid, Nicole and the boys were still, you know, five minutes away from her in our house. She was in her apartment, but we had this, this lady and, and Nicole was working full time. The boys were like, uh, probably 11, nine and young. three or something like that. You know, um, they were young, uh, not three, maybe uh, nine, five. I don't know. Um, they were young and, uh, and required, and they had sports and activities and whatever. And so Nicole was running around. It was a very, very busy time. And then my mom needed a lot of attention. And what, before I left, I would go over, you know, in the morning, I'd make sure she got her pills. I'd make sure she had some breakfast. I'd run around and, you know, work all day because actually not only did I do Jersey boys at night, but I was doing, I, I don't know if you never knew this. I, I created a, a TV and film program at a, at a high school in Las Vegas. Yeah. And that was huge. That was a lot of fun. Um, it, but it was all during the day. And then I did the show at night. And so I was working, you know, two jobs. And so we'd, I'd run over to my mom beginning of the day, the end of the day, make sure she got in the bed. Okay. And then I got called to New York and I couldn't do that anymore. And um, so we had this lady, Linda, get a load of this. We somehow ran into this lady who out of the goodness of her heart, just would go over to my mom's a um, couple of times a day or a couple of times a week and take her out to go to ice cream during the day or pick, she had to pick up her granddaughter from school. So she'd bring my mom with her and get her out of the house and sit with her and also make sure she got pills at that certain time. She was fantastic, right? Lady was like a gift yes. from God. She was an angel from God. And my mom loved her. She's like, oh, my new friend, my new friend. And she just loved her. So I go to New York and I'm feeling a little bit like, well, it's not all falling on Nicole because we have this lady. And I was in New York for like a month and I get a phone call. The lady dropped dead. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, no. Out of nowhere. And we're like, oh, my God. Not only was it sad for her and her family, but now what do we do? Because Nicole's working all day and the kids and it's, it's my mom required, you know, a lot. So I flew to New York. I mean, I flew to Vegas and put her on a plane with me, which was not easy and flew her to Manhattan. And she lived with me in my one bedroom apartment um, for almost a year, about nine months, not a year, maybe oh, nine months. We're still in Vegas. They were still in Vegas. They, they came out, I, well, I should clarify, they came out, it probably wasn't a year. It was probably closer to six months, but um, they came out at the end of the school year. Um, I'm conflating a couple of things. Sorry about that. I lived with, my mom stayed with me. We were not sure if the show was going to last in, in New York. So Chaz, you know, basically suggested don't bring the family yet until we know. So we were not sure. And even then I thought to myself, we have a house in Vegas we have a, a life in Vegas and the kids have a school in Vegas and I could always go back and do the, the, the teaching thing. So if this thing, you know, was a, a flash in the pan being in Bronx sale was the flash in the pan didn't work. Um, or maybe even if it did work, I would just come do, do my thing, work with those guys and then go back because that was our, we had a home there. We had nothing in New York and the cost of living in New York was so much higher. And uh, so 
I brought my mom just to be with me. And during the course of it, Nicole and the boys came out and they saw me go on for Sunny the first time. And she's like, no, we have to come back and do this for, for real. So we all decided to move back to New York. So I lived with my mom stayed with me. And I tell you, Linda, that was um that was the toughest. Oh my God. That was um that was I know, I know, I know. It's just yeah. we can't there aren't really any words to really no, no. And I had to bring people in while I was at the show. And thank God I was walking distance from the theater. But, you know, I would come home in between shows on a Saturday and a Wednesday when we had two shows, a matinee and an evening. And, you know, and be home for two hours and then run back to the theater just so I could be with her. But there were times when she, um, you know, one of the things about Alzheimer's, as you know, is is there's a there's a fear. There's an irrational fear. Um, of anyone that's of anything that's not familiar and she was afraid of the people that I brought in to to help her um she was afraid of everything and um I I don't know I it's I don't mind talking about it because it's real and it's life and I think maybe it can help people in some ways but it's sometimes (laughs) I don't mind talking about I don't even know where to begin um exactly you know I would cook for her you know I'd it's just saying things, you know, it's, I guess it's frustrating because it's your mom. It's the person who taught you everything. Yes, you know, I, it's the person yeah, who, right, right. You, you know, it's the person who, who Ooh. fed you. And now I'm feeding her and I, I make her a bowl of cream of wheat and she takes the coffee cup and puts it down in the middle of the bowl of cream of wheat. Like, how does that, you know, and it's hard not to get frustrated because. Right. Right. Because because I want to say to myself, you want to believe in the person. You want to believe that there's still that person that you that that you know. And you're like, if there's still that person, then how do you put the coffee cup in the middle of the cream of wheat? There's there's no explaining it, Joe. You know, I've told you that you and I've had talks about. I know. Yeah, it's um, it's. It's it's the most horrifying experience a, a family can ever have, and um, it's so not easy. And it's and it makes you angry, and it makes you cry, and it makes yeah. you feel afraid. And I, there there are so many words to put to it. And such a I, I'm learning of late that it's it's they're starting to find maybe ways to slow it down a little bit or help it or. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I'm so skeptical because I lived through what you've lived through and, and, and the guilt of that, of the things we always Uh blame ourselves for, which is crazy. I know, but you can't help it. These are people that you love and adore and you just always feel you didn't do enough. Oh my God, Linda, I live every single day. I swear to you every single day. I feel like I didn't do enough. Right. Me too. I know what every you're... single day and people tell you and then close people tell you, Oh, but you did all this. You were such a great son. Right, no, and no, no, no. and it, it just, yeah. it stop. bounces right yeah. off my head. Please I, stop talking because you don't understand I'm talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. don't understand and they want to be helpful. It's not helpful. It, it's, no. I just, I, I just dismiss you when you say that, because I know. Yeah. What do you want to have happen? Let's talk about something cheerful and big and things. What do I want to have happen? Um, have anything on the on the? Yes, you know what, Linda? I will tell you this, and I don't. I haven't talked about this really publicly, 
Um, and because <laughs> go back to the first thing, you know, the, the things are always likely to fall through. Um, of course. <laughs> but uh, but I'll tell you the truth. I, I enjoy acting. Um, but there have been many things I've done that I feel like I was, um, you know, sometimes you feel like a pawn in somebody else's bigger game. You're just saying what someone tells you to say. You're standing where they tell you to stand. You're you're just literally following orders. And at some point in your life, in my life anyway, I don't want to just follow them. I want to make the decisions, uh, you know, and I feel like I've always had that ability. And uh, I feel like I've always been directing things in my mind. And, and I have because I was 13 and I made this movie, right? So you know, that's what I always wanted to do. I, I I wanted to act in it as well. I wanted to act as well, but I always wanted to create the entertainment. So I have um, in the last, actually about 20 years ago, I, I wrote a screenplay, which uh, which I thought was pretty good. Um, okay. We I tried to do it myself. We tried to raise the money. Of course, I raised a, a, what I thought was a lot of money, but it wasn't enough to get the movie made. So that sat there. But I, in the last couple of years, uh, I wrote as another film and um, I think it's powerful. I think it's, um, I think it's inspirational. It's a true story. Um, it's currently at a production company that, and they say, they say they want to do it. They say we're in, they say, we're going to sign it. We're going to, we're going to option it. We're going to bring it to X studio. And I want to give them all the names and stuff because then people, but um, but they have a deal, a first look deal with a major distributor. And so we'll see what happens. But and Linda, it's a story that I think I think our our society needs. I think our country needs. Um, it's inspirational. It's true. And I, I t I'll tell you the story. I mean, I won't tell you the ending. Um, but basically, it's it's about a little boy who's eight years old in uh, in Cuba. And his dad in Santiago, and his dad was the chief of police um, in Santiago. And his dad essentially worked for Batista. And his dad was just a good guy, you know, like right and wrong was, was a, there was a clear line between what was right and what was wrong. And he was just a straight shooter. And um, his dad knew that Batista was, you know, based, Batista was not a great, he was a dictator, right? Um, so he saw some of the corruption and he was convinced to go help Castro take over. And he met with Castro and he helped Castro take over. And Castro thanked him publicly that first night uh, on January 1st, 1959, on the steps of City Hall in Santiago. He thanked the chief of police publicly for his help. And then 11 days later, Castro had him shot by a firing squad and thrown in a ditch. And um, the little boy took his anger and his sorrow and his grief and he took all of his emotions and he put it into playing the violin which is his one love and the kid in a couple of years became this incredible violinist touring with with uh symphonies professional symphonies all over cuba and i won't give away the ending but um but eventually the castros heard about him and for their own purposes they asked him to play for them at a, a live televised event um and the boy basically has the last word with with the castros and um he's alive today um he's i'm very close with him i've stayed at his house 
for days on end where we talked till five o'clock in the morning about his life and things he experienced. And um, I put them into a screenplay and uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm praying every day that, you know, it keeps moving in the right direction. And it seems like it's moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I can't tell you how. <laughs> you you know, I I said to some friends when I said I was having you on today, and and I and I talked about you glowingly, as I always do, because you are truly inspirational, kind, kind beyond words. And I know all of you listening right now feel the same way I do about this very, very, very beautiful soul that I've had the pleasure today to talk to. Um, I have loved him forever and I will continue to do so. You are, you, you come back anytime you want. You want to come back when the, the when the play is now a movie and you are a superstar. You, yeah. you created something yeah. fabulous and we'll celebrate it. And I do love you so, Joe. I love you too, Linda. You're, you, you have always welcomed me when I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I showed up on the first day at another world and you have been, you've well, you welcome me with open arms. Always. You have been an inspiration. Your work is an inspiration. I mean, you know, God knows we, we sometimes get scripts there and you go, you know, because people don't realize what daytime is and they don't realize that, that the writers have to crank out an hour show every day they once asked me to, to write for daytime for abc and i thought it was completely mad and i to be kind i decided to take the this the scripts or what they wanted you know the format and i and i had it with me for a week and i called up susan the woman who's in charge of all that and i said have you lost your <laughs> mind <laughs> i can't do this this is this is this is hard right this is hard absolutely and they, and so it stems right from there they they deserve they really oh don't. my goodness and and the thing is you have so much material that it's not all going to be you know, right. Emmy Award winning material. It can't right. be. It you can't, can't maintain that. Yeah. Right. But you, I'm saying you as an actress, has have always taken whatever you were given and made the absolute most out of it. Um, and it's been inspiring. It's like you watch Linda's scenes. It's like, why does it look like she gets the amazing stuff to play? And it's not. It's just because oh, you yeah. did so much with it. You know, you know why? I'll tell, I'll tell you the reason why. I am just like you. I, I'm grateful to have a job. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that people like or seem to like. They seem to say that anyway. That they liked what I did at that job. I never ever make it about me. Mm -hmm. I make it about the gift. It's the gift. Uh, I know people who don't work ever. I know people who I think are talented and you've never heard of them. Right. That they're gifted beyond. Absolutely so, true. You and I got lucky. You and I got yep. lucky. And and that luck is what I live with and 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 nurture and am grateful for and thank God for every day. So I could not agree with you anymore. I know friends that are brilliantly talented and people who've never heard of them okay. and they don't work, they don't get jobs. Okay. Um, 
uh, there were people on daytime that, yeah. uh, I mean, I remember there were people that, I mean, brill- some people that are brilliant. Brilliant. And then there's people that are not as, I mean, I remember there doing a screen test. Snuck. Yes. <laughs> yes. Honest and they get gigs. And you what? go, How, what happened? I remember Sorry. literally went, went screen testing with someone. And the one guy was brilliant. Like he was so good at the role. And and they ended up going with somebody else. And they asked me, that, who do you think? I was like, well, this guy obviously knocked that out of the park. You know, nah, nah, we can't hire him. I'm like, really? Really? Exactly. Oh. Life is funny, darling. Life yeah. is funny. Well, I have to say goodbye to you, which I wish I, I did. Know. Please say hello to everyone in the family. I will, I will give them the call. This, and and by the way, my, my oldest son is at Notre Dame. He's a junior at Notre Dame. Imagine. My middle son is a freshman at Clemson, and my uh, youngest son is in eighth grade. Um, and uh, and Nicole keeps everybody going. And um, of course, she does. She's you know, she's they're there. the reason why oh. we do everything. You know, why I do everything. It's you know. Okay. On that note, I expect to see you at the Christmas party this year. And yes, yeah. If I'm not coaching basketball, that's the reason I couldn't come last year is because I was coaching okay. basketball, and I am coaching. I mean, just hopefully there's no game at that oh, time. Make but, it, make it a David. It's not the party. Just yes. Don't. Yeah. That's your job now. Um, That's your job. I coach my son's basketball team, and this will probably be. I'm not going to coach in high school, so this is probably the last year I, I coach his team. But you know what? I don't want that as an excuse. Come to the, the party. party. <laughs> okay, got it. I would kiss you if you were really live with me right now. I know. I, know. I can know. only wish you kindness and love. Thank you are such a special guy. Thank oh, you. You too, Linda. You Thank too. You. I love you, Linda. Take care. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Ah, thank you. Joe, Barbara, everybody. We love you. See you next time.